Good morning. It is seven minutes after 10 o'clock. Coming up, who's more popular than Taylor Swift? We'll tell you that in about... <laughs> you'll, you'll chuckle at this. But I'll tell you the answer to that at about 20 minutes uh, after 10. Also, uh, coming up at 10.35, Epic Times reporter has been scouring South Carolina. Rumor has it that Democrats are thinking of not voting in their primary, coming over and voting in the Republican primary. So we'll find out what uh, this reporter has uncovered. Again, that's at 10.35. But coming up today, we are going to hear from the central bank. Are they going to raise interest rates or leave them alone uh, or even possibly lower them? Jerome Powell is going to have this meeting in a news conference. Most people think those interest rates are going to remain right where they're at. We are going to check in with Professor Murray Sabrin. He's got his own Substack column, by the way. Uh, and he's a prolific author, written some terrific books. Uh, what the implication is of raising, lowering, or leaving it the same. Professor, good morning. Good morning, Gary. It's great to be with you again. Yeah, it's great to be with you. You're not going to rub it in about the weather in Florida? Well, it's a little bit cool this morning, but uh, it's dry, so uh, cool, dry air is always good for the soul. Yeah, what 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 is uh, described cool? Seventy uh, four, huh? Sixty four. Yesterday it was forty eight in the morning. Oh my, <laughs> yeah. Brian, don't you feel sorry for him? It, oh yes, I do. Forty eight in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bleeding for him. Oh Lord, Professor, they expect Powell to leave the interest rates yeah. where they're at. What are the implications? I mean, there are three things: up, where it's at, and down. Well, they're not going to raise interest rates, that's for sure, uh, because uh, the, with the rate of inflation decelerating, meaning it's gone from 9% nearly two years ago to around 4% today, um, what the Fed is trying to do is squeeze the inflation out of the system to reach its target of 2%, which is a bogus target, as I've mentioned in the past. In a free market, the trend of prices is to decline. That's called natural deflation. And we've had it throughout American history. We've had it in my lifetime. We've had it in, in recent years. And so what the Fed is trying to do, essentially, is blow up the blow up prices when they should be going down. And that's the problem with the Fed. They really don't understand uh, the economy. And therefore, what they're trying to do is... Uh, make people pay more for things that should be going down in price. And that's why I've called the Fed, uh, uh, the, the, it's the enemy of the people for the very simple reason. It kept rates at 0%, which means we were getting nothing on our savings when we should have been, we should have been getting 3, 4, 5%. Now we're getting around 5% on our savings. In other words, we should be getting a real rate plus the inflation rate. And that's what every business student knows when they take a course in corporate finance. That's what the textbooks say about, uh, about interest rates. The nominal rate, which is the rate that we get or pay, is based upon the real rate, which is roughly around 2% historically, plus the inflation rate. And uh, the Fed is trying to manipulate rates because they think their job is to create good economic conditions. The way you create good economic conditions, Gary, is just leave the marketplace alone and let the men and women entrepreneurs provide the goods and services people want. And that and everything will work out in, in, in the long run and the short run. But the Fed thinks that it has a, a mission to manipulate the economy, to manage the economy, just like the Soviet uh, uh, Politburo tried to manage their economy. And we know how that ended. But don't they have that obligation? I mean, if the federal government is spending money uh, that's inflationary, uh, and if the Federal Reserve has to respond to that by producing money out of whole cloth, uh, that's uh, don't they then at some point have to 
try and alter the trajectory so that we don't end up needing that uh, proverbial wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow full of cash to buy a loaf of bread? Well, let me just uh, dig into what you said. Government spending by itself is not inflationary because what? Because if taxes are used to uh, raise the money to pay for government spending, then purchasing power is transferred from the private sector to the public sector. So there's no more money in the system to raise prices. All that happens is prices will rise if things that the government buys and things that the people buy will decline or stay the same. So uh, the government spending per se does not cause inflation. Money printing causes inflation. It goes back hundreds and hundreds of years when in the Middle Ages, uh, kings clipped the uh, uh, metal coins and debased the currency. That's where the word debasement comes from. They diluted the purchasing power of the gold and silver coins that people owned. And so the modern-day version is the Federal Reserve increasing the supply of money, which dilutes the purchasing power of the money that people already have. So government spending, what it does is, is uh, it just transfers money from the private sector to the public sector, and people are worse off because they have less money to spend, but then the government takes around and, and, and gives people benefits. So people are no better off. In fact, they're worse off because then you have a whole government collection agency called the IRS that has to be paid. They don't produce anything of value. And you have all these bureaucrats in the government that don't produce anything of value. So uh, it, the, in other words, government spending is a dead weight on the economy in the final analysis. It doesn't create any wealth. What creates wealth, Gary, is capital spending and capital investment. That's what drives production, and production leads to uh, more goods and services, which increases the supply of goods and services for the people to buy. It's that simple. You don't need a Ph.D. economics. You just need a Ph.D. in common sense to figure this out. <laughs> but if the federal government, want, if the Democrats and the Republicans want to continue to bribe people into voting for them, yeah. then, then you're not going to have, you're, and you don't go to the Federal Reserve to print the cash, then you have to take so much money out of the marketplace to yep. placate that debt, to satisfy that debt, that the economy crashes. So well, the... Yeah, yeah, well, the, the Federal Reserve is the enabler of all the spending by both Democrats and Republicans. I mean, the public hasn't figured that out yet. And so what I'm trying to do in my subset column is to point out the emperor has no clothes. You don't create wealth by printing money because if that was the case, uh, Germany in the 1920s would have been one of the richest countries in the world. Except, uh, instead, people had, had to have wheelbarrows full of money to go to the store to buy a loaf of bread. All right, so it's going to remain uh, flat. The uh, interest rate's not going up, not coming down. If they uh, if they lower it, is that just going to spike inflation? If they say, well, you know what, it's been yeah. flat long enough, we can lower it a, a titch, what, what happens then? Yeah, this is what has happened since the Federal Reserve was created. Once they lower rates, after they raise rates to fight the inflation they've created in the first place, that's when we go on to another uh, uh, boom cycle. And according to the data that the Federal Reserve puts out, when the Federal Reserve lowers interest rates, it means that we're in a recession, and therefore the Fed thinks that the way to get out of the recession is to, quote, stimulate the economy by lowering rates and printing money. Remember, lowering rates occurs because the Fed is pumping money into the banking system that causes rates to go down. In other words, the Fed doesn't have a magic wand where they can dictate what rates are. They have to do something to get rates down, and that is the printing of uh, new money that goes into the banking system. So when the commentators and the talking heads on TV talk about the Fed uh, lowering rates, what they're really saying is that the Fed is going to print more money in order to do that. And uh, that's what causes the problem in the first place. So just leave 
the money supply alone and everything will be well reduce taxes reduce spending reduce regulation and let's get let's get a full free market economy uh, in the united states which is which will create uh, more wealth and reduce poverty uh, better than any government program that's ever been devised can't do that no no because we can't, <laughs> we can't we can't do that because we can't bribe people to vote for us we can't cut spending because people expect their Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, food stamps, giant military, et cetera, to continue growing. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we just have to wait for the inevitable collapse. Well, that's what's happened throughout history. When governments spend more money, whether it's in Argentina, the Soviet Union, uh, China, I mean, it, it, uh, when I've studied the financial history of the world, this is what I've discovered. Pe Governments just go crazy with spending. They don't have enough money that they raise through taxes. The central bank prints up the money, and then the currency collapses. And um, and so we're waiting for the other shoe to fit. And I think, uh, as I mentioned in the past, I think it's going to happen by the end of this decade, the early part of the next decade. And if it doesn't, it means that uh, my, my prediction is not wrong. It's just the timing of it, it would be incorrect. We shall see. Professor Murray Sabrin, if somebody wants to read your Substack column, where do they go? MurraySabrin.substack.com, and today I posted a, a, a piece about uh, how I was attempted to be bribed when I ran for governor in 1997 as a Libertarian Party candidate in New Jersey. And, uh, not much different than uh, what happened to Kerry um, uh, Lake in uh, Arizona when uh, the state chairman um, offered her some money to uh, drop out of the race. It wasn't quite as uh, egregious as that, but uh, as I point out, it's all in my book, uh, from, uh, from Immigrant to Public Intellectual. Professor, thank you for being with us. Great to be with you again. Uh, stay warm. <laughs> Have those 40-something degree temperatures. Oh, yeah. All right, Professor, thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, yeah, who's more popular than Taylor Swift? We'll tell you that in just a moment. And then at 1035, what are they doing in South Carolina? Are the Democrats going to vote in the Republican primary? Epic Times will be with us. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 20 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. We, um, we're going to find out what they're doing in South Carolina. I am I'm really, really curious to see if, in fact, the Democrats are, are going to you know, sort of uh, screw around with the, uh, with the Republicans in the primary. We'll have Lawrence Wilson with us. He's looking into that uh, in South Carolina. He's with the Epic Times. He'll be with us in about uh, 15 minutes, 1035. In the meantime, apparently Donald Trump thinks he's more popular than Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That just I found it. I just think it's uh, kind of a, amusing. Uh, there is, 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 I guess Taylor Swift is is a Democrat. And these Trump supporters are terrified that she might come out and support Biden. Behind the scenes, Trump has reacted to the possibility of Biden and Swift teaming up against him this year, not with alarm, but with instant projection of ego. In recent weeks, the former president has told people in his orbit that no amount of A-list celebrity endorsements will save Biden. Trump has also privately claimed he is more popular than Swift and that he has more committed fans than she does. Uh, this according to a person close to Trump and another source with knowledge of the matter, tell, uh, they, as they, uh, t they told Rolling Stone. 
A source uh, close to Trump adds the ex-president commented uh, to some confidence that it obviously made no sense that he was not named Time Magazine's 2023 Person of the Year. The ego here, you know, to be a winner, in all honesty, to be a winner, you've got to have a bit of an ego. I've seen this in in sports. I've seen this in competition everywhere, uh, and it's true in politics. You got to believe in yourself. You got to have an ego. I I think Trump has um, way more ego than yeah, and and it's all right. I I just don't think he should express it. I don't think that helps his case. At least not to the extent that he does. Yeah, he has a scorching case of. NPD. NPD? Yes, Narcissistic Personality Disorder. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the story. I, I think that, you know, sums him up pretty much. He just has an excessive need for admiration. And unless you're doing that, you are an evil villain and he will come after you. See, I, I think he can believe all that. I don't have a problem with him believing he's the biggest, the greatest, the best. Successful people believe in themselves. But what he needs to do is temper it when he talks to the media. He or has he, no humility at all. None. Well, that's, that's what he needs to do if he wants. Because I guarantee you, there are middle America housewives that are really uh, going to find this rubs them the, the wrong way. Trump allies pledge holy war against Taylor Swift because of their fear that she might come out with Biden. That's an ad hominem attack. It's absolutely unnecessary. What do you mean a holy war against her? Come on. She can believe whatever she wants to believe. You, If, if you vote Based on who Taylor Swift campaigns with, you deserve what you get. You deserve what you get. You don't need a holy war against her. You just need to look at the candidates that are out there and say, this is the best one for me. Not, I mean, who made her a politico? What experience does she have in, uh, in civics and economics? And foreign policy. She's a damned entertainer. You don't need to attack. Just go about your business. Promote your candidate. Uh, to the phones, 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. Evelyn, good morning. Good morning. He has to keep the focus on himself. That's what gets him free press. And you're giving him free press. Right now, with everything you're saying, you got him so much free press by going against Taylor Swift, and you watch. Just like with Little Rocket Man, they're going to be shaking hands. He's going to get along with her. He's not against her. He's for free press, and he will do whatever it takes, and he knows how to handle people. I mean, we didn't have a war when he was in charge. He got us out of stuff. He got things done behind the scenes, but he keeps everybody watching him. He wants all the attention because it's free press. So, you know, he's the ringmaster. And he's got all the rings going, and he's got the whole show lined up. With the uh, he's, a, he's a regular god. He 
he's an entertainer. He's the Barnum and Bailey guy. You know, he's the guy out front, and he's he's the ringmaster. So and you, you don't think you don't the guy you don't, with the clown with the painted face? You don't think that women hearing him? That we're taught. Think about the average housewife, who's not all. I understand free press, but sometimes press isn't good. And if you're out there, you know, and uh, these women who are fans of Taylor Swift, uh, uh, it, it just it doesn't make sense to attack her. Doesn't make sense to come out and say I'm more popular than her, because uh, I think that it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, and, and I don't believe I don't think it's bad for him to believe that. I don't. He he should believe in himself. He just needs to temper the message. I hear what you're saying, and I'm I'm looking, and we all thought we were going to go to war with Kim Jong, and it didn't happen. He was shaking hands. He walked across the line into their country without any so, so secret service on him. And it's like, that takes some chutzpah. And he shook hands, and that man looked up to him. I mean, I watched him in these videos where they show him putting his hand on a prince that nobody else was talking to. The guy, the guy sat there, he looked totally bored being at whatever it was, UN or whatever meeting that was. And this crown prince from Saudi Arabia, that area, I don't... You know, get upset with me if I get that wrong. But he put his hand, and he put his hand on the man's shoulder, patted him like it was a son. And the man sat up, he looked around to see who it was, and he didn't get upset. Like, how dare you? I've watched him shake hands with Putin, and all of our presidents before, when they were shaking hands with Putin, and the difference between Donald Trump, and it's like he has respect. And so you can watch the ringmaster, or you can watch the man who's wheeling and dealing, and say, who's the real man? All right. I think he's, he's got that down. All right. That's, that's good. Evelyn, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Brian, how close am I here? I'm... And a half. Huh? Minute and a half. All right. Bill, you got 90 seconds. Yeah, Gary, you're just repeating what the, the media said. Did you hear Trump say that? Did you? I mean, can you're you? doing the same thing. You're oh, doing the same thing. Uh, you know thing. what? I'm not even going to I'm not even gonna entertain the call. Uh, can I verify? Come on. <laughs> That's a silly answer. Silly question. Can you verify it? Did you? Yeah. Uh, go to Rolling Stone, uh, and you'll, uh, you'll hear the... Uh, You'll hear the answer. Uh, just, just people don't. I don't think people understand what I'm saying. I'm not, you know, running some polemic against Donald Trump. I'm not saying he shouldn't believe in himself. That he shouldn't be egotistical. He 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 has to in order to win. I'm just saying there are places where you need to temper it. That it, you know, if, if you're a Trump fan, this is just par for the course. You understand the guy, you know the guy, you believe in the guy, and 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 so you 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 put it in a you know in a in a in a box. You go, ah, he's just being Donald Trump. He's still a great guy and great president, great future with him. He's he's just being Donald Trump. But if you're an an average. Uh, housewife in suburban America that isn't paying attention to politics and you hear this, it's a negative. All right. Let's find out what the Democrats are doing in South Carolina. That's next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's uh, 1035. Listen, before we go too far here, I want to ask you uh, to do a favor. Do me a favor if you're on Facebook. We uh, put a story up on our Facebook page about uh, global warming. Uh, more than 90% of NOAA's temperature monitoring stations have a heat bias, according to Anthony Watts, meteorologist, senior fellow for environment and climate at the Heartland Institute. Uh, they talk about the urban heat island effect and why this, uh, all this data we're getting on global warming is inaccurate. Trillions spent on climate change based on faulty temperature data, climate experts say. Now, we put this up at the Gary Nolan Show on Facebook, and we think we're being throttled. We're not sure, but we think we're being throttled. So, if you could, if you're on Facebook, go to the Gary Nolan Show and see if that uh, if that story shows up. If it doesn't show up, you can find it at the Epic Times. Uh, that's that's where the link leads to. Trillions spent on climate change based on faulty temperature data. Climate experts say it's at the uh, it's uh, at Gary Nolan, uh, the Gary Nolan Show on Facebook. In the meantime, speaking of the Epic Times, Lawrence Wilson is with us, and he's in South Carolina looking at the primary, trying to figure out if Democrats are likely to sit out their primary so they can vote in the Republican primary. Lawrence, good morning. Glad to have you with us. What have you uncovered? Well, so far, I haven't uncovered anything. But this is a theory or a question, I should say, that we have based on what happened in the New Hampshire primary just a week ago. Uh, in New Hampshire, uh, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump were the two prime contenders. Everybody else really dropped out. So Nikki Haley wound up uh, scoring well above her polling and hitting about 44 percent of the vote, which was a remarkably good outcome for her. But uh, analysis of the exit poll polling exit data showed that a lot of that support was from independent voters. Now, some states, uh, only Republicans can vote in the Republican primary, only Democrats can vote in the Democratic primary, and some states allow some crossover. In, uh, excuse me, New Hampshire allows independents to vote in either. And about 70% of independents voted for Nikki Haley. A lot of them told us that they were specifically voting for Haley as a vote against President Donald Trump. So our question is, is that gonna happen again in South Carolina, which has an open primary? So anyone, any registered voter, Democrat, Republican, independent, can vote in either primary. So will Democrats and independents turn out on Saturday to support Joe Biden, or will some of them say, look, I can only vote in one primary. I'm going to wait until the 24th so I can vote for Nikki Haley or maybe cast a vote against Donald Trump. That's the question we're trying to narrow in on. So uh, they don't have to worry about Biden. He Essentially, he's got that wrapped up. So they, they're, they're free to vote for whomever they choose. 
Yeah, that's what the polls are telling us. And we learned in Iowa and we learned in New Hampshire that the polling was essentially correct. It's never exact. But, yeah, Biden has a very large lead over the two nominal challengers, uh, Representative Dean Phillips of Minnesota and uh, self-help author Marianne Williamson. They're polling at about 5 percent or just a little under. And uh, President Biden is polling in the high 60s. I think 69 was the last average number. So. He's on track to win that primary unless something dramatic changes. So does that give independents and even some Democrats an incentive to say, well, there's no need for me to vote on Saturday. Maybe I'll use my vote elsewhere and wait till the Republican primary. Are they just trying to draw out the Republican race uh, so that uh, Donald Trump, who seems to have, I, I would argue, a pretty a substantial lead, can't really focus on Joe Biden, or are they actually trying to upset the uh, apple cart and get uh, Haley nominated? So far, all I have to go on is the voters that I spoke with when I was in New Hampshire last week. And those voters who were what we might call crossover voters, they were saying it was just an attempt to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. So, yeah, one way or another, they hope to frustrate his nomination, if that winds up being a delaying tactic or actually they think they can get Nikki Haley uh, nominated, I'm not exactly sure. But one way or another, these are folks who are not excited about Donald Trump. They would like anyone but Donald Trump to be in the White House in, uh, next year. And so they're thinking that way. What can I do? to frustrate that possibility. That's the thought in some voters' minds. Boy, I'll tell you, Lawrence, they really, they really uh, have a hate on for this guy. It's it's not like any other candidate in any other race I have ever seen. They're trying to keep him off the ballot, they're filing lawsuits, they're criminally going after him. It seems like a nonstop barrage that makes his case that they're picking on him well, we have seen a bit of a bump uh, from the indictments. That's been well documented that whatever the intention of the folk who have gone after uh, Donald Trump in the courts uh, with uh, now some 90, 91 criminal indictments against him, whatever their intention, it, it seems in some ways to have backfired that it actually does engage a number of people, certainly anyone in the Trump base, it engages them to want to support him even more. And of course, we've always known uh, from 2015, even when that initial campaign began, that uh, Donald Trump was a polarizing figure. There are some who very strongly committed to him and what he represents. There's this whole other block of voter out there who feels just the opposite. So this looks like another election cycle in which a lot of people are going to be voting against somebody rather than for somebody. Well, I think uh, I think he's going to prevail. I think he's, the nomination is his to lose. I think they, uh, there, there is a part of me that thinks we're being Claire McCaskill'd. Uh, that the Republican, the Democrats know that every time they, they shoot an arrow at the guy, uh, the Republicans' support for him goes up. 
And I think that at the last minute, and I, I don't think you have any insight into this, though I, I'd be curious to see what your opinion is. At the last minute, I think they're going to pull Biden, put somebody else in. Just That's an interesting theory, uh, Gary. I have no insight into into that. I, I think there is a lot of speculation that uh, people are, pundits are saying, yeah, the Democrats actually do want to run against Trump because they think they can fare better against him. So uh, whether that's true or not, is, is, I don't have no way to validate that. But that is a theory I hear advance. Whether Biden will stay uh, uh, right up to the general election, well, <laughs> I guess your guess is as good as mine on that. Yeah, my my theory is that uh, by the time the uh, the Democrats have their convention uh, or uh, or at that convention, uh, he, he will uh, he'll be replaced. Time will tell. But you're uh, doing yeoman's work down there in South Carolina, and you keep doing the uh, doing the hard work for us at the Epic Times. Uh, where are you headed from South Carolina? Do you know? Uh. I don't know. It could be back to South Carolina for the uh, for the primary, the Republican primary on the 24th. We'll have a team in uh, Nevada for that primary, which is next. I will not be on that team. I'll be covering that remotely. Uh, but it could be right back to South Carolina before the month is out. Well, at least it's not too cold. Lawrence Wilson, <laughs> thank you for being with us this morning. My pleasure, Gary. All right. Take care. Lawrence Wilson. The Epic Times. Frustrating. I'll tell you a story about a, a, a family that had a tree fall in their yard and what the city is doing to them. This will this will outrage you. It will make you crazy. Gary Nolan, Zimmer, Radio Network. It's uh, 10 to 11. So apparently um, the CEOs of, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter or whatever, all, the, all these uh, uh, platforms are being grilled by Congress that they need to protect kids' online safety. No, they don't. They Really, they don't. You have to protect your kids. You have to teach them. You have to watch them. You have to shepherd them. It's up to you. It's not up to them. And, and even if you thought it was up to them, where does the federal government come in? Where do they come up with having the authority to regulate this. Well, they have to. Oh, because you're, you're too stupid. stupid. Should have known. Uh, a couple of people have said uh, they went to the uh, Facebook page and they saw the, the uh, story about uh, the trillions spent on climate change based on faulty temperature data. Um, we played some audio yesterday. I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? Or it was the day before. Um, about how they've been, uh, Noah has been and NASA have been uh, tinkering with the data, changing it. First, it's warmer, then it's colder. They and they and they don't like the the comparison, so they they flip the numbers around. We played that. I, I think it was day before yesterday or yesterday. This whole uh, global warming thing just gets goofier and goofier all the time. Listen, I want you to imagine this. Uh, there's a uh, this is a true story. Back in 2021. Uh, this couple uh, realized that there were two trees in their backyard that didn't look healthy. They, they looked like they were dying. So they wanted to cut the trees down. And this is in a home that they thought they owned. 
Apparently they don't. Apparently the government owns it. They just didn't realize it. But before they could cut it down, they had to get a permit from the city's Urban Forestry Division. And the Urban Forestry Division turned them down. They said the tree's apparent health and the damage, uh, the, the damage uh, their removal would do to the neighborhood uh, and the neighborhood's character would, would just, you can't do that. Well, roll the clock ahead, and now one of those two trees has fallen. And it's landed on their house. So you'd think that would be enough that the government would just back off. But no, no, that's not the case. The government is making them obtain a $100 retroactive removal permit for one of the trees, the one that fell on their house. And, of course, they have to plant one uh, in its place at their expense to replace it. The Forestry Department employee also advised them to hire an, ab- an arborist uh, to uh, chop down the second tree, the one that's still standing. But they should take care to document the work in case they'd need to apply for another removal permit. And according to the local newspaper, the couple could risk $1,000 daily fines for removing the tree without a permit. Does that make you crazy? (laughs) They said, you know, 20 years ago, they said, this tree is dying. We need to cut it down. They said, no, 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 that would... The neighborhood wouldn't be the same without those trees, so you don't have permission. Well, sure enough, the tree did die. Fell against the side of the house. Now they want to remove it. They've got to spend money to get a retroactive permit to remove the tree. And if they just remove the tree without the permit, they'll be fined $1,000 a day. Who owns that house? Not the people paying the mortgage. Not the people paying the mortgage. Uh, Melinda on the Facebook page, good morning. Hey, Gary, um, I just went to your Facebook page when I got home because I heard you on the radio talking about it. The uh, link to the article is there. I clicked on it. I was able to read the article, and I shared it on my page. But, I mean, so it, it worked fine. Beautiful. Thank yeah, you. I just wanted to let you know. Okay. Yeah. You have a All good right, day. Melinda. You too. Take care. Uh, um, that, bye. Bye-bye. That doesn't mean that we're not being throttled. Just the people who are seeing it are responding. I, I think I didn't think that through. Yeah, it looks like it. When I said throttled, I meant throttled back. Yeah, meaning that uh, it's not showing up like it usually does. If we yeah. have a uh, not getting the coverage, we yeah, usually. right. Uh, so you got to get uh, Anson says you got to get Murray Sabrin to talk about the impact on the private equity investment community. And the new ownership reporting requirements for privately held entities. Uh, The federal government is reaching into the uh, entrepreneurs for more of their private information. Uh, This is one account. uh, uh, This is uh, the end of our economic freedom. Anson, our economic freedom disappeared years ago. It started disappearing, quite frankly, uh, by 1915. 1913. Uh, It's gotten worse ever since. 
<sighs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's do this. I am. Um, there's a, a a little domestic dispute in my house. And of all things, it, it's the silliest thing. Um, it has to do with a bath mat. So here is here. Uh, let me just give you the details, and I want your opinion. I want you to honestly give me uh, your opinion. The um, what I am told, what I am told is that because the bathroom, the house is on a slab, uh, it's cement, and then uh, there was linoleum. And then uh, we came in and laid down this uh, waterproof padding. And then on top of that, we put in this waterproof or water-resistant, I guess, waterproof uh, vinyl plank. And we've got this little bath mat in front of the shower. It is the consistency of a towel. And I am told that you don't have to pick that thing up and put it over the bathtub, that it's never going to penetrate and we're going to be fine. On the other hand, uh, I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, this would develop mold. There's no backing. It literally is like a towel. So uh, my wife and I are going back and forth on this. I know this sounds silly, but I'm telling you the truth. We've been going back and forth on this, and I want your opinion. Can we leave that thing down on the ground until we, you know, clean the bathroom, we clean it every week? Or shouldn't we be, you know, taking it up and, and draping it over the bathtub so that it dries? Uh, it, it, Brian, did I make the, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But, I mean, if you clean the bathroom every week, I don't think it's necessary to pick it up each time you get out of the shower and, you know, put it on the edge of the bathtub to but, dry it but, out. But you stand on this, it gets wet. and yeah. And, you, you don't think we should pick that up and drape well, it Well, I mean, if you're cleaning the bathroom once a week, does that bath mat get thrown in with the wash? It, gets, it goes into the wash, yeah. Okay. What are you worried about? Mold? In a week? Well, I don't know. You don't <laughs> think that? No, I don't think so. All right. I, I want to hear from somebody else. I, I want to hear. <laughs> sorry. Well, no, no. You don't have to be sorry. I just i am curious to see what the masses think. Uh, it, the only time it gets stepped on is when you step out of the shower. It doesn't have backing. It's about the consistency of a regular towel. And I'm told cement floor, linoleum, uh, the, the waterproof padding, and then the waterproof uh, vinyl flooring. It doesn't need picked up. It'll dry on its own uh, in a short time. Or do you think it should be picked up and draped over the bathtub? I, I'd be curious... To see, I, 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 in fact, I beseech you, please. <laughs> Let's see if we can get this clarified. Gary Nolan shows Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.